Welcome to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. You can always listen to the podcast as well on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, I am uh, Jared Jesselitis. That is Jeff Julek here with me. And uh, we're set to spend the uh, next hour or so here just talking uh, a little Purdue basketball with you. It's been uh, happy, happy times here as we get ready for Senior Day on Saturday. Purdue with a uh, convincing win against Illinois, although at the half it was a little close. But uh, they found uh, they found that gas pedal there in the second half, and uh, they made it happen. And Purdue stays atop the Big Ten, tied with Michigan State. How much fun is it to talk Boilermaker basketball with the way the team's been rolling? And good times. Uh, obviously, a very uh, successful last two games. Uh, you know, tough, uh, hard fought win out at Lincoln where they. Uh, Survived the blizzard and got the victory over the Cornhuskers, and then they came home and <laughs> survived uh, the hotel fire. Yeah, too. Hotel fire at three in the it was morning, crazy. And then come back and uh, get a hard fought victory against a very difficult team to play in Illinois because of the way they play defense and that that uh, style of play you just don't see in the conference a whole lot. And the you know it's amazing how this basketball team can win at different ways. I mean, you know, Saturday Grady Eifert steps up with two incredible plays uh, with the shot clocks running down. And then, you know, Matt Arms continues to be uh, one of the best big men in the Big Ten as he continues to get better and better each game. And uh, uh, glad to see Carson finally get out of his uh, mini slump there and and make some shots. And so uh, great win for the Boilermakers as they head down these uh, final three games. Yeah, I wasn't too terribly worried about Carson just yet. Had he turned in another flat third game in a row, then I start to go, is there is there an injury something dealing with? But they just weren't falling for him. It happens. When you're a high-volume shooter like that, you got an average. And, I mean, when you put up a lot of shots, it's going to happen on, on occasions. But I thought that game was really, really good for him. Uh, style-wise, I thought that was good for him because those guys want to come out and pressure. And, uh, you know, he can isolate a guy sometimes. Uh, and they weren't really double-teaming at all. Uh, that much uh, Illinois, but it, it just seems like he could get kind of out there, and those guys instead of sinking back and trying to force him to shoot from three, they think, yeah, okay, you might as well go two. I think Brad Underwood said in the post game, he's like, we thought you know forcing him to shoot a two rather than a three was going to be better, and it was like, well, when he shoots twos, they're like at the rim yeah. most of the time. He's not like a pull up jumper there from the elbow. It's not really his kind of style. So if he's shooting twos, um, you know, he's probably usually taking it to the rack, and on top of that. You take a look at how many threes the guys hit over the last two games. Why are you not forcing him to shoot the threes? That's my question. You would kind of hope that he would take the three, wouldn't you? But, I mean, yeah, you know, when he drives, he's going to get fouled or get the ball to the hoop. And, uh, you know, he did did that on numerous occasions and and got to the free throw line. And then how about that classic Carson Edwards move where he was uh, on the the baseline and uh, they stick the hand out in front of him and he jumps right into it for the three He loves doing that. That frustrates everybody. That's a smart thing to do. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at his three-point total, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on uh, during the shows this week, was that, uh, you know, he's only, what, four four uh, three-pointers away from tying the Purdue single-season record, which is set at 100. And Ryan Klein's only, like, 12 behind him. So we can have two guys break that record this year for, for just the, the Purdue single-season record. Um, he, he's not that far away, too, from uh, uh, Dakota Mathias' 250 for a career. So... And he'll probably get that. I think he's, but he's like four or six away from that one too. Uh, the real, the real crazy thing is he gets at the Big Ten Conference single season record, which uh, he's about twenty four behind. So you figure you get at least uh, the th- you get three regular season games left, at least one Big Ten uh, championship uh, tournament game. 
give them, uh, let's go with two. I'll give you two on that. So you're at five right there. You think uh, I'll give you two NCAA games. You feel pretty confident about that. So you've got seven games to get 24 threes of your Carson Edwards, and you could be the Big Ten's uh, single-season uh, record holder for three-pointers made. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And, and you know, the, the issue with him is that, you know, he starts a game like he did against Penn State uh, or Maryland where he's hitting threes from all over the place. And so, you know, that can happen any time, and he's such a dangerous player. And he just brings so much to this team. And, and the fact that he's been able, you know, to – you know, he didn't take a whole lot of shots in that first half against Illinois, and Purdue was still able to to stay in the game was close, and Illinois obviously had the one point lead. And then to start the second half, I'd have no idea how Illinois left him wide open, but he hits the three, and then all of a sudden he starts to get the points, and you know he makes the three free throws, and he drives to the basket, and he just brings so much. And then Matt Harms is just there every single time it seems like to to rebound and put the ball back in when he does miss. And what a uh, what a couple of games that Matt Harms has had lately. Of course, the big story around uh, the stations here was that apparently nobody knew that Matt Harms did not have an accent. Uh, we were all expecting. Like, here's the deal. I grew up. You, you remember Mike Myers? Remember Goldmember? Oh yeah. Remember the the, uh, the Goldmember was a Dutch guy and yeah. he had that accent. So I guess I was expecting something. And we were all like, wait. <laughs> He, I mean, the guy sounds like he could be from Crawfordsville or something like that. But, boy, has he been playing really, really well lately. Matt Painter talked about it in the postgame of the uh, Illinois uh, matchup that, you know, getting him into good situations, uh, he's, I mean, he just puts it down. He throws it down. Those little slip screens that he uh, ran about three or four times against Illinois, he's a matchup nightmare for a lot of schools. And uh, he's really found a groove here uh, late in the season. And the thing to remember, he has not played a whole lot of basketball. I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, coming from the Netherlands and then spending some time in the States and, and you know, Purdue stumbled upon him as they were, uh, one of their assistants was recruiting another player. And, you know, the NBA scouts right now Can are, you really stumble on a 7-3 well, guy? You know, I mean. <laughs> They're not exactly roaming around uh, Nobody was you know? recruiting him at the time. So, I mean, it was uh, it was one of those things. And, and the NBA scouts are really high on this young man. And, and he's getting better and better. I mean, remember, he's a sophomore who didn't even start last year, and, and he was a situation where he was backing up Isaac Haas. And, you know, a lot of pressure on him early. I think he spent way too much energy. Uh, you know, Painter commented that he looked like he had run a marathon after that first under-15 under uh, timeout. And now he's got under control. You know, I think tipping the game-winning shot in against Indiana did so much more for his confidence. And, you know, and now if he starts draining that three-point shot, you know, he's tempted six so far this season – drain that big one against Illinois, if he starts to make a couple of those games, he suddenly becomes a Mo Wagner where you've got to go out on him, and that's going to open up the uh, the stuff on uh, inside even more for this team. So, you know, if he plays at the level he's capable of, Purdue becomes a very, very dangerous team come tournament time. It was just a month ago we were talking about that uh, that young man has to come off the bench, something mentally with him. He's got to come off the bench, and that's the way that it works. Now he's been in that starter role. Travian Williams had the, uh, you know, the illness and everything, and he still doesn't look like he's 100 percent uh, with the legs. And his body's gone through so much in the last six months, where that you know it's it's not a huge shocker. But Matt Harms has stepped up. He's been fantastic. And I'll tell you, a slept on stat. First off, he had his first double double ever uh, for his career, which I was a little surprised at that. I figured at least at one point he would have had one his freshman year, but apparently he didn't. But I'll tell you, the slept on uh, thing. Uh, with Matt Harms that we haven't been talking about was he's been pretty darn good at the charity stripe over the last several games. And that's always a knock on a big man as you never think 
because of their size, you know, it's that, that motion can sometimes be herky-jerky, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't work well. But, boy, he has been fantastic at the line with the, uh, the Nebraska game. I think it was like 7-for-7 seven seven in the Nebraska game, wasn't he? Yeah, and I was going to propose that because, um, you know, I think the fact that both him and Nogel hitting their free throws have done so much for their confidence overall. Uh, you know, w- when you're afraid to get fouled because you don't think you can make your free throws, that has to affect your game. And he's hit some really big free throws for this team, as is Jelly. So, I mean, you know, when you, when you have both those guys scoring at the free throw line, because they're going to get fouled because no gel drives to the basket. And with Matt Arms down low, I mean, it brings so much more to this basketball team when they're hitting their free throws. It's just crazy. I haven't seen a Purdue team like this in a while that can win in so many different ways that if somebody's not showing up, there's always somebody else there that kind of picks up the slack type deal. Uh, on a night where the bench uh, against Illinois was uh, you know, just two points out of that, the starters are the ones that are there, but you know, Carson Edwards struggled, and, and who stepped up? Matt Harms and Ryan Klein. Same thing, Travian struggles. Uh, you know, Matt Harms is there to step it up. Grady Eifert is basically the only guy that's the consistent in all of this basketball science, it's like Grady Eifert is the only law. Everybody else is a theory, right? Because he's always there. He's always being efficient. Uh, Matt Painter talked about uh, how he and Ryan Klein uh, don't turn over the ball. I mean, they're assist to turnover ratio. They're like three and four uh, guy, uh, three and four, you know, assist to turnover ratio guys for this squad. Um, and uh, it's, it's just, it's amazing to see. Uh, it just used to be, hey, we're getting the ball into Biggie or we're getting the ball into Hammonds or hey, Carson's going to have to shoot the three and do things. No, it's this team is not like that, and it's just it's amazing to watch. And, and that's why many people think that this team has potential to maybe go deeper in the tournament in NCAA than last year's because of that reason. I mean, you know, if you want to come out and play the pressure defense like Illinois did, no problem, we can handle that. If you want to play big against us like Minnesota did, no problem, we can handle that. And, you know, we had that seven-game stretch now that we're halfway through, where we went four and zero, and every week some you know some of the the uh, some of our uh, you know people out there are saying they're going to lose this game, they're going to lose this game, and Purdue just comes up with different ways to win ball games and show that they are a complete team. And do they do everything perfect? Absolutely not. But boy, are they a solid basketball team. And think about this, Jared: seventeen wins is potential in this conference. You know that'll be a school record. I know they went to the twenty-game schedule this year, but seventeen and three in the conference would be absolutely amazing for the, for any basketball team. But but this Boilermaker team that once was six and five. All right, we've got to take a uh, break here. Coming up next, though, Alan Karpik. I'm going to have a nice little talk with him when uh, we'll talk about the upcoming senior day and so much more. That is next here on uh, the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Um, now on the wings of Center Hammerhead Hotline, our good buddy Alan Karpik from goldenblack.com. It is a go-to resource for all Purdue fans, uh, and it's not just the basketball coverage. I mean, you've got great spring football coverage, and there's a lot of interesting things going on with spring football. Alan, I'm, I'm hearing... Uh, the secondary here, especially the safeties, have been turning some heads early on in spring practice, and you guys have been all over that stuff. Well, you know, and that's going to be such an important part of, of Purdue's growth because, uh, you know, now now Jeff Brown has some of his own players in there, and that's where we're seeing that talent upgrade. But, you know, Purdue's going to still struggle a little bit. There. You know, still, I still think the Boilermakers are a year away or so getting that line played where it needs to be. Uh, even with that pass rush, I understand George Karloftis will be here, but uh, it, it's good. 
be a work in progress still, and Purdue's going to have to manufacture defense. But it helps when your when your secondary, especially your corners, have some experience. And uh, I like Nicole to when he tries to dream up what he wants to do with that uh, defense. Uh, it'll be interesting, and, and hopefully, if you're a Purdue fan, it will also be effective. All right, Alan, so uh, let's get into basketball. They uh, get the win against Illinois on Wednesday night. Uh, a little close there at the half, but they put their foot on the gas in the second, and uh, they play really well. I mean, Matt Harms, well, what can you say about Matt Harms over the last uh, several games? Where Travian Williams has really struggled, and you know, I know he has had the illness and everything. He still doesn't really look like he's got his legs uh, about him just yet, but Matt Harms has really stepped up. He's come a long way from roughly, what, a month ago we are talking about he couldn't start, that he needed to come off the bench, that he felt more comfortable in doing that. Now he's really evolved into a uh, pretty good starter over the last uh, three, four games. Well, you think about the way this Big Ten season has gone, and Purdue's had two guys had literally perfect games. You know, Grady Eifert uh, a few games ago was at the Nebraska game. You know, he's literally perfect from the field and just puts on a, on a show. But Matt Harms... Uh, Really, one of the better performances I've seen in, in a long time. I mean, in terms of what uh, inside, uh, in terms of what he did effectively, the block shots, enthusiasm, and and uh, just just being uh, hyper uber efficient. Uh, and that's stating the obvious based on his numbers. But you know, Purdue needed that infusion because uh, Illinois. I, I'm only I'm only nervous about Illinois in the years to come. Uh, I like the way that uh, they they get after you defensively. They're they're very aggressive. And they were in that game without a doubt with ten minutes to go, and and even the, uh, you know was seriously in doubt. But Matt Harms had so much to do with taking that game over. But so did Grady Eifert. So did Carson Edwards. It still is a work in progress with a work, excuse me, a teamwork type deal. And when that happens for Purdue, uh, Purdue's a much better basketball team. And I thought that you saw that, uh, especially in the last ten minutes of that game. You know, we always laugh about that. So I always have my my message put to my own kids. Uh, I've got 28 kids that are in, in their 20s, and they're not gamblers. But I say, this is another reason why you don't bet the line, because Purdue was one of a 13-point favorite. I said, no way they're going to cover that. And then they did. And, of course, a very, very good down-the-stretch uh, uh, performance by the Boilermakers and a very important victory. That's why you always you, you bet both sides. I know you. You always hedge your bets. Alan yeah, always right. wins. Well, right. i, I got I to gotta figure out the margin, my friend. You bet. <laughs> We're talking with Alan Garvick from goldenblack.com on the Wings Etc. Hammerhead Hotline. Um, another guy that got it going last night, Carson Edwards. I know we had uh, uh, talked about the uh, need for him to kind of get that scoring touch back, and this was a game that uh, you know was a little more up and down. I thought was a little bit more conducive for him, and of course when they go small ball, that makes it really easy for him to kind of take it to the rack. I don't think we were very worried about Carson in the shooting slump, but I mean a, a third game in a row probably would have been a little pause for concern, right? Well, I think that again, he's so much of, of Purdue's pulse. He, he because he's such a big part uh, of what Purdue has to do. And I've been concerned about his ability to get to the rack and, and being, uh, you know, I, I think in the Big Ten, and we see this. You know, you're 17 games now into conference play, um, and uh, teams know exactly what you're going to do and try to defend. And I thought Illinois early on did make it difficult for Carson to get to the get to the rim, but uh, Carson figured out a way. He just seems to be so much better when he can convert some easy shots. Uh, all of a sudden, the more difficult shots come uh, a little bit more easily for him. And, and they, again, he's a guy that they produce going to win. 
not only the Big Ten, but to have a chance to do some damage to get into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, uh, he's going to have to be very, very good, I would think. And uh, that's, that's probably a, another case of stating the obvious. Alan, uh, yesterday when I went through the three-point notes here, I was just kind of blown away here of it just uh, the records that Carson Edwards has in his sights. Uh, he needs four more three-pointers to tie the single-season record at Purdue, which is 100. And oddly enough, Ryan Klein's only 12 behind, so Ryan Klein needs another 16. Uh, you could have two 100 three-points uh, you know, guys on the season, which is kind of crazy to think about. He needs 14 more to become the career leader in threes, which was set by Dakota Mathias uh, not too long ago. And then I, I think the Big Ten single-season mark is in his sights, which was uh, Shep Garner's 120 points in a season. Uh, you know, he's going to need, what, 124? Or he's going to need another, uh, what, 24 to make that mark, which isn't laughable. I mean, it's within the sights. Uh, just kind of try to put all that in perspective historically for Purdue. I mean, obviously with the records, but, I mean, they're, they're really shooting threes at a historic rate, aren't they? Yeah, and, again, this is how this team uh, competes at the, at the level it does. And, yeah, I know that uh, Ryan Klein didn't have a big big game shooting the ball Last, you know, on on uh, Wednesday night, but he did uh, dish out the assist. This is a guy uh, Carson Edwards is, is very, very unique. Uh, Purdue's not had a had a guard like him, not had a score like him certainly since Glenn Robinson, and he's really on the uh, on on the probably on the Mount Rushmore of scores at Purdue basketball in the last uh, last at least since Mackey Arena opened. So you know, this is what he's got to be. He's got to be able to make shots. He's got to be able to uh, score the basketball. Matt Painter always says, I don't like that term all that, all the way that well, but the coaches say that anymore. But he has to do that, and and he is doing it. He's a big for Purdue in a game that, uh, you know, on Wednesday night that I thought Purdue was in, in a fair amount of peril just because uh, Illinois was has played tenacious defense, and Carson Edwards ramped it up another notch, and, and you combine that with the job that Matt Harms did and the job that Joe Easton also did. And Purdue is formidable, Jared. You know, you look at all the different options. That's why in tournament time, Purdue can kind of get the, all the uh, thrusters going in the same direction. Uh, this team is very, very dangerous. Alan, when we take a look at what's happened in the last week or so, there's been some notable games. Uh, I think about this uh, Penn State and Maryland game from the other night. Um, you're getting a lot of these lower tier or mid tier teams that are knocking off teams that they really shouldn't have any business at this point of the season, you know, beating. Is this a what is that a function of? Is that these lower or middle tier teams playing better than they have during the season, or are these the upper tier teams uh, just kind of you know like Maryland just kind of taking things for granted? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting dynamic now, especially with the 20-game Big Ten schedule where uh, scouting to get scouting to get scouting. I mean, there's just, everybody knows what everybody's going to do. And if you don't play well, um, you know, Maryland's young. You Purdue saw a very good Maryland team uh, in the second half, especially in College Park a couple weeks ago, and Purdue couldn't handle them. Uh, and yet they go on the road, they get their head down. And, and I don't know how Penn State does this uh, because they play in a, in a, with nobody there. They, they, their record is not very good. Their coach is in, in jeopardy. Maybe that's what they're doing. But, but we also saw how good Penn State could be. Obviously, the game of January 31st at the, in Happy Valley went to overtime, and Purdue got a call and got a break, or the Boilermakers would have lost that game. You, know, you think about Penn State, they beat Michigan. They've beaten uh, 
uh, Maryland, and they should have beaten Purdue uh, in, in Happy Valley. So the point of all this is everybody's dangerous, and I'm not predicting an early exit for Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, but who knows? You know, you may run into Penn State uh, in, in game uh, in, in, in your Friday afternoon or Friday night game, and uh, I think everybody's dangerous. I, I've, not, I've not seen the league uh, over 1 through 14 ever be at the level that it's been where everybody, Rutgers is dangerous. I know pretty pounded Rutgers early on, but pretty fans saw what Rutgers could do last year in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I just think you're, you're in peril everywhere you turn, and I didn't expect I, you know, or excuse me, Maryland to blow out, or Penn State to blow out Maryland. But, uh, you know, it's just like Ohio State produce a product uh, tomorrow. You know, the Boilermakers, Ohio State drilled Iowa. And uh, I think if that's the team you better watch out for, in my opinion. Ohio State, who's pretty safely in the tournament right now, but can really use another signature win to guarantee its spot. They would hope to get that on Senior Day Saturday. But also Minnesota, obviously, uh, when Purdue gets to that game uh, um, next Tuesday, the Golden Gophers are now the team in the first four out. And uh, a month ago, they thought they were going to the NCAA tournament. So those teams are especially dangerous at this time of uh, a year. And Purdue doesn't have a margin of error if it wants to get a share of the Big Ten title. I don't expect Michigan State to lose again, or at least you can certainly build a scenario that the Spartans won't. And uh, Purdue has to be perfect uh, to get that, that share of the conference title. Alan Karpik from GoldenBlack.com, always bringing us good stuff on the Boiler Basketball Show. Hey, Alan, we appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, one more show next week. We'll see you then. All right, I always look forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on. Have a great rest of your show. Now we go to the Wings Etc. Hammerhead Hotline, and we bring in the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation. And there might not be a happier fan these days right now than Nate Barrett, <laughs> who is loving what he's been seeing out of his Boilermakers. And with three games left to go, uh, sitting atop the Big Ten rankings. It's a good feeling, Nate. It's particularly nice for all the boo birds that gave me trouble uh, when the Boilermakers were 6-5. and five. I-, I take great delight in... Uh, their lack of faith being uh, exposed. Look at look at Nate drinking the tears of his enemies here, <laughs> right off of the bat. Yes, you are just. Yes. But but Nate, even at six and five, and as great as fan as you are, I don't think you could anticipated this team having the potential to go seventeen and three in the conference. I'll give you that. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's just it, it's crazy what has happened since the Notre Dame game. I mean, this team has just found themselves a, a new gear. It continuously finds ways, new ways, uh, to win new people to uh, to step up in situations where others might not do it. And it's just, I don't know, it's really got me kind of shook, Nate, because, I mean, I don't know what this team is going to do in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm afraid of selling them short a little bit here, but I just it's kind of new territory. We haven't seen a Purdue team win like this in quite some time, have we? Well, you know, I think... Guys, Matt went back to the drawing board after the, he had a couple of tough seasons following the Etwan Juwan Robbie era, and really honed in on on getting Purdue guys and people that fit with his philosophy, uh, of which Grady Eifert is a terrific example, and um, you know just guys that are going to put Purdue first and uh, and you know, be focused on the, the long-term success of this program. 
and uh, you know Dakota Mathias was one of those guys in, the, in that group, and uh, certainly all the four seniors last year. I think you know we all were, were po- on pause to see what kind of year Ryan Klein would have, and, and I kid about the six and five start guys, but you know early on you're, you're not seeing the production out of Klein that you needed during that stretch of games, including you know the trip to Texas and the trip to Tallahassee, and and then even through like as you guys brought up Notre Dame when you see Travion come in and make an impact. Harms was not uh, at all at that point what you've seen from him, who's really come on, and, and then you see the other night against Illinois what he's really capable of doing. And so then I think a lot of the buzz with the fans coming out of that game, uh, you saw it on Twitter, and I know I've heard it on the street, is just, okay, uh, now you you look at Harms and you look at Nogel and Nogel's continued improvement offensively and at the foul line, and you go, oh, you know, this could continue for a while. You know, Matt's got a pretty dialed-in situation here where Mornemakers could have really sustained success, and, and that prospect is really good. I think it's a product, though, of, you know, success builds on success, and, and Matt has established himself now as, you know, only behind Tom Izzo in terms of the Big Ten coaching. And uh, once you figure out this league, which I think Matt, you know, everything can shift, but he's got a pretty good beat on w- what this league is, w- where it's been, and where it's going. And, and then you recruit to that model type, and, and it seems to be really working well. And, Nate, how impressive is it that Matt just moved in the top ten and in, in total wins in the Big Ten with all the history of the conference and the, the great coaches from Fred Taylor to uh, Bob Knight to Gene Cady to Lou Henson, and now he's in that top ten. And, you know, he still doesn't get his due. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I'll, I'll be watching ESPN and they'll say, and the Purdue coach, Matt Painter, as opposed you know, they have to feel like they yeah. have to say who Matt Painter is. Yeah. And, you know, he just continues to win, win, win. And, uh, you know, it, it's just we are so lucky as Purdue fans to be able to have Matt Painter on our sideline. I, I couldn't agree more, Jeff. And he's done it with integrity, which is sorely lacking in many elements of college basketball today, embarrassingly so, in my opinion. And um, so to do it with integrity, to do it with guys that, that put Purdue first, and to do it over that long period, you know how many coaches have coached in the Big Ten Conference? I mean, and for him to be in the top ten, he won't dwell on it. That's not his way, but we can dwell on what a big deal it is and, and how many, hopefully, many more games there are to, to come in the, in the years uh, ahead where, where you know, he could leave here as one of the most remembered coaches in, in Big Ten history. That's still out there as a potential for him, and, and that's exciting in an era of instant gratification where, where coaches usually don't get that long, you know, to, to make that kind of impact. Uh, you know, he's 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 done it here, and he also gets, and his staff gets, uh, what a big home court advantage that they have in Mackey, and and how wise Purdue was in adding the new elements that they needed to, but not really altering the the integrity of the structural integrity of what you have in that bowl, and and what a, I was just reflecting on it the other night again, guys, what a, what a what a sixth man it really is uh, to give Purdue a lift. Well, I mean, what was the stat, Jeff? Maybe you've seen it was the senior class, something like 100 and some odd and four, I think, in Mackey well, or, yeah. Arena. And one of those games was against, like, what, a defending national with Villanova came in, remember, right off the uh, national championship game. They right. had, the, they had right. the best record in the last four years of any home team in the, in the country, 64-4. and four. So it's uh, at home. So pretty impressive. And, 
you know, they continue to win, and, and hopefully it's going to be 65-4 and four after tomorrow. That would uh, that would be nice with uh, Senior Day coming up. We're talking with uh, Nate Baird on the Wings of Center Hammerhead Hotline. Nate, tomorrow is Senior Day against Ohio State. Grady Eifert, Ryan Klein will be uh, honored. Uh, does any moment from either one of their careers really stand out to you uh, that you'll be thinking about when they're uh, getting their uh, jerseys and Matt's saying some nice words about them? Well, for Grady, uh, for me, uh, it was the, the two free throws he hit at Wisconsin. Um you know, to help uh, help seal that one, to put it away in, in a win that I think has catapulted the Purdue to the success they've had since in the in the league this year. I think those were two really big free throws, and for me, kind of signified uh, how far Brady has or Grady has come in this lineup. And and I think what's also significant about it, two parts. Uh, one, I happen to be sitting next to his dad, uh, two seats down from his dad, so that was kind of cool for my wife and I to watch his reaction, but I think that the part I'll remember also is that it was Carson that delivered the assist to him to set him up, that here our best player, who'd also had big points that night, goes ahead, and, and as we continue to see his evolution as a player, he gives it off to Grady instead of trying to take a tough shot with two guys on him himself. He goes ahead and makes that great pass, and then Grady's able to get fouled, get to the line, and in a pressure-packed, you know, uh, sold-out coal center, uh, nearly sold out. In any case, a very full and a very loud Wisconsin fan contingent. He's able, under pressure, in a situation he's not as used to as other players, knock down those two free throws. With Klein, uh, you know, I think there there have been so many three point bombs by him over the years. But uh, you know, he's hit some pretty big ones uh, on the road before. You know, he hit some big ones in the in the Penn State uh, win and when Purdue needed him. So I, I think with Klein, it's just those threes that he has hit when Purdue had to have a bucket, and and he's been able to do that at times throughout his career. I think that's been a big part of his contribution. The other thing I think is noteworthy that he's done a better job as a senior than I think he did uh, throughout the rest of his career, probably because it wasn't needed as much. But he's actually become a little bit of a threat to drive the ball and get a lay-in and uh, and cut to the edges a little bit more than he was. So he's continued to work on that, and I think he's worked hard on his defense. Hey, we'll accept the uh, Grady Eifert. Uh, I'm sorry, though, you are incorrect on Ryan Klein. We were looking for free throw shooting from Ryan Klein. Uh, but, hey, we'll get you the Gosh, how, how many has he? How many has he actually taken? And I'll tell you what, you know, growing up in a high state family, we may not have seen his best moments. Uh, I know how much this a high state game means to him tomorrow. So let's hope he goes for about eight three-pointers tomorrow. That, that would be wonderful. Okay, I got it in front of me. Just in Big Ten games only, guys. So, like, by way of comparison, Carson's been to the line 108 times uh, and Harms 49, no gel 62, and Klein 17. Yeah, Ryan Klein is 18 to 25 on the season free throw shooting. Hey, that's easy math. Go. Yeah, uh, that's that'd that's, be what 72. percent That's pretty. It was pretty darn impressive when you've got almost what uh, five times as many uh, three pointers than you do uh, actual free throw attempts. Is uh, that Ooh. says something about your game, now, doesn't it? No, it, it does. And I, I think you know one thing we we've been mostly positive here, guys. But you got to look at. Uh, what did Illinois do the other night? Twenty-six to two, they outscored Purdue in bench points, and uh, and Illinois had them pretty matched evenly in second chance points. So, 
you know, it just seemed like Purdue's bench players struggled with the with the scheme that that Illinois presents, the players they present. So, you know, you you just want to keep Sasha. You know, only gets two minutes the other night, and and Wheeler uh, under eight, and and about the same for Hunter. So, you want to see a little more punch from that Purdue bench uh, going down the stretch here. But in part, Harms gave you 31 minutes, a great action, and was eight of eight from the field. Nate Barrett with us here on the Boiler Basketball Show, advising you to buy stock in Kleenex because it's probably going to go up after Senior Day tomorrow in uh, Mackey Arena. Nate, hey, we always appreciate you on the show, buddy. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game. Uh, happy again belated birthday to Mr. Chulik. Well, and, thank you. Uh, you guys have a, have a great weekend. Hey, thanks, Nate. Take care, buddy. See you. Bye-bye. So you just heard from uh, Nate Barrett. Uh, a big thanks to him for joining the program. Now's the time, Jeff where we like to uh, go through and uh, kind of take a look at the Big Ten as a whole. Purdue and Michigan State on top of the mountain right now at 14-3. and three. Michigan State a half game back at 14-4 and four after their win the other night over Nebraska. Uh, we've got Maryland at 12-6. and six. That's two and a half off the lead. Wisconsin at 11-6. and six. Uh, Then it's Iowa at 10-7. and seven. Ohio State at 8-9. and nine. Minnesota at 8-10. and ten. A couple of 6-11 and 11 teams in Rutgers and Illinois. Couple of five and twelve teams in Indiana, Penn State, Nebraska five and thirteen, and then Northwestern at the bottom at three and fourteen. So it seems like at least the top three spots are basically locked in for the Big Ten tournament. Although the however that sorts itself out is still to be determined. Who is going to get that fourth spot? Is it going to be Maryland or is it going to be Wisconsin? That's my question. I don't think anybody wants that four spot. I mean, you know, this <laughs> They're last playing week, like it. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin loses. Maryland gets destroyed at Penn State. Uh, you know, so excited. The Boilermakers are definitely locked in those top four spots. And so when you look at the race, it, it's going to come down to, you know, can anybody beat Michigan State so that if the Boilermakers have to share the title or get it outright? You know, we're hoping for some help from our friends down south tomorrow as the Hoosiers take on uh, Sparty. And uh, if they can repeat that victory they got up at East Lansing, that would be fantastic for the Boilermakers. And then, obviously, that big matchup with uh, Michigan going to Michigan State uh, next Sunday. And of course, the Michigan State-IU game you can hear uh, on 101.7 The Hammer. Coverage will start of that at uh, 11.45 on Saturday. So all the fans can listen to that game on the way to uh, the Purdue uh, High State game. Absolutely. And if you want to know who's going to get that fourth seed there, um, you get, got either Maryland, uh, who still has Michigan and Minnesota left to play, Wisconsin, uh, they have uh, Penn State, Iowa and Ohio State left to play. So both those teams playing a ranked team, um, but uh, Wisconsin has to play the extra game because they're currently a half behind. And Penn State's looked awfully good lately, Jeff. They have. I mean, you know, and and we kind of forget that because the Boilermakers beat them by 12 just a little over nine days ago. And so, uh, you know, boy, they were impressive with their victory taking apart Maryland the other night. So, uh, you know, that Big Ten tournament, you know, I, I just bought my tickets. And I'm so excited to go up to Chicago because uh, – it may be the best tournament that's ever been taking place. You just want to go shopping. Be honest. Uh, that's all it is. My daughter going with me. She wants to go shopping. I want to go to the basketball okay, game. Okay, whatever. We know how this works. So let's take a look at Saturday's uh, lineup here. Big slate of games. Michigan State at Indiana. That game at noon on Fox. We're going to hear it here on 101.7 The Hammer. And then on the Big Ten Network, 1 o'clock, it's Penn State at 19th ranked Wisconsin. Should be interesting, especially the way Penn State's been playing. Ohio State then at uh, Purdue, that game 2 o'clock on ESPN. We're on the mothership. 
Gotta with, like that cover. With Mr. Dockage doing the game for us again. So. Well, he almost got away going the entire season without coming come to Mackey. Uh, he has not been here since the infamous Jeff Brom to Louisville comments. <laughs> I wonder if the fans will bring that up at one point. You I, think? You know, he goes on the court and does his first segment, <laughs> so I'm anxious to see how that will react. But I tell you what, tough game for the Boilers tomorrow because Ohio State's playing pretty well right now. And, uh, you know, the freshman year has had the uh, uh, eight three-pointers the other night. And, uh you know they they handed us handed us our last loss a year ago. So uh, the Buckeyes standing in our way of an undefeated season in Mackey, which have uh, as great as we've been, has been few and far between to get an undefeated season. I'm just saying, if you want to blow up the tweet on a big placard, you can't make that thing big enough. Make sure everybody in the uh, cheap seats on the other side can see it, Pankrew. Just saying, and maybe you get two of them. You know, just so Dan can see them. <laughs> uh, Rutgers at Iowa is the uh, evening game, 5 p.m. On BTN. Then we go to Sunday's game. Michigan at Maryland will be a, a good one. That one, 345 on CBS. And then Northwestern at Illinois at 630. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, can Maryland rebound against that loss to Penn State? And, and Michigan has struggled at times on the road. So, uh, you know, they're trying to stay in position to maybe uh, get a share of that title if they can win that game and beat Michigan State. And uh, the Boilermakers would uh, like for them to uh, yet lose another game. And then there is uh, no Big Ten base uh, basketball, I'm sorry, on uh, Monday. It's been outlawed. It's in the Magna Carta. Look it up. It's illegal. Can't do it. <laughs> but Tuesday it is back in Nebraska at Michigan State and then Purdue at Minnesota. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have to figure out, is it uh, – is, is I mean, that's head-to-head -head there, 7 and 8 o'clock. Can uh, somebody take a hold of the top of the Big Ten? I don't have a whole lot of faith in Nebraska, I'll be honest. Yeah, they're not playing well, and, you know, Michigan State should handle them. But I tell you what, big game for the Boilermakers because that's probably the game that scares the Boilermaker fans the most. You um, never like a trip to the barn for know, any reason at all. Minnesota won last night, uh, you know, so now they're in a position where if they can win their last two games against ranked opponents mm – -hmm. uh, they might uh, get that uh, NCAA tournament. So uh, they gave the Boilermakers fits the first time in the first half till the Boilermakers went uh, large. So hopefully we can stay out of foul trouble in case we need to go with both Travion and Matt at the same time. But, uh, you know, if the Boilermakers uh, can get that victory and uh, get the Buckeyes, going to be in great position to win this thing. We've got Penn State on Wednesday traveling to Rutgers in a uh, matchup of scrappy teams that, you know, people are getting a little scared to play come Big Ten tournament time. Yeah, and I'm so glad that the Boiler, you know, when the Boilermakers get that double bye, you know, there's going to be only, there's only be eight teams left in the tournament by the time they play on Friday. And uh, I tell you what, I'd like to see about six of these teams eliminated as well as they're playing. And it's my understanding too, by the way, if we do finish uh, co Big Ten champions, that we would end up with a two seed spot, correct? Yeah, That's if we tie with, uh, if we tie, we really don't win any tiebreakers because it goes to how you do against the third place team, which and it was looks Michigan, like, looks and like then Michigan's split. Be we, third. we only had the one game, so. yeah. So, so we really need to, you know, and honestly, I would like to win this thing as a number one seed so that you get Michigan, Michigan State in that 2-3 seed, which means you would not have to face them until the championship game. They get another so. shot at uh, Maryland, which you felt, you know, like you let one get away from uh, the last trip out to, to Maryland, or a uh, Wisconsin team, which you uh, played really well against, I and thought. chances of playing those teams might be slim, because if you remember last year, um, you know, Penn State pulled the upset, and uh, we ended up playing Penn State on that Saturday game uh, for the right to go play Michigan for the championship. They, you know, Michigan State got knocked out. So anything can happen this crazy Big Ten tournament this year. And Thursday, uh, two currently ranked teams, Iowa and Wisconsin, 7 p.m. on ESPN, and then Indiana will go over to uh, the State Farm Center in Champaign to uh, just wrap up the season here, basically. And I mean, they're, how, they got one foot out the door, it seems like. Yeah, how crazy is it? That Indiana is being considered as an NCAA Turner team. You know, at five and 
five and twelve in the conference, and that's and, how weak the bubble is. It's like the weakest it is, yeah. bubble of all. Yeah, time. you know, and if if they beat uh, Michigan State, they beat Illinois, and I think what they finish up with uh, what Wisconsin, maybe you know, I don't know who their last game is, but um, you know, if they get those, they're all chances where they can win some uh, Rutgers, I guess. But uh, you know, if they can beat Michigan State, who knows? Maybe they'll talk about them for tournament. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I'm not holding my breath for that one, Jeff. I'll be <laughs> honest with you, and that's not a fandom thing. That's just a. Uh, Take a look at it. All right. Well, hey, that's going to do it for us on the uh, Boilermaker Basketball Show. Great show today. We want to thank Alan Carpet from GoldenBlack.com for being on with us. Always bringing us that good stuff. Nate Barrett, uh, you hear him on all kinds of Purdue Sports Properties uh, radio broadcasts. Always does a tremendous job with us here on the show. So uh, we greatly appreciate uh, his time. And uh, we'll be back again next Friday, and that's going to be our very last show, our last show for the basketball season. Kind of Hard to believe the season uh, is over. We'll see you then. Uh, thanks for listening to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com.